Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And it says, Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then quickly, everybody say quickly. Then quickly, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. There you will see him. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb and for fear of great joy and ran to tell his disciples with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples and behold Jesus met them saying greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there you will see me Hey, over the next few minutes, I hope you're taking notes. I want to preach to you from this subject or from this idea, eviction notice. Eviction notice. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you for the gospel. Father, there's no eloquent messages that can be put together, Lord. There's no incredible atmospheres that can be set with worship, Lord God, that can save. My God, it is your gospel. And Father, we believe that and we trust it. And Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would alive and quicken, Lord God. Bring mortal bodies back to life. But Father, I pray, Lord, that our minds would be clear. Every distraction from the enemy would be completely extinguished today. Let us focus and let us hear your words. John 3.30, Father, I pray that I would decrease, Lord, that you would increase, Lord. You speak. Let it be your words that transform, that heal, and that save us, Father. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, Father. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus? Oh, come on. I said put your hands together for Jesus. Now, the whole story is so important to the life of, I think, the gospel, the believers. I think everything that we are a part of. When you think of Easter, you think of so many different things and it can be diluted sometimes and you can find yourself hearing so many different stories. And I I have a daughter and my daughter is six years old. I have four kids. I have a 22 year old. I know I look, I look okay. I have a 22 year old. I got a 13 year old, 12 year old. And then I got a six year old. The six year old is, she's a tyrant. She's crazy, but she's, I love her. We're working on her. Salvation is slowly entering her heart. Um, (laughs) But uh, we, have, we have issues sometimes. Like I'll be sitting and I'll be, you know, minding my business, watching TV with my wife, or maybe I'm reading, not doing much. And all of a sudden, uh, I'll hear, boom, boom, screaming. And then somebody, boom, and the door opens up, right, in my room. Some of the parents know that. Like that brought you anxiety right now. Like you heard that and you were like, oh my gosh, yes, I hate that. She runs in the room crying. Oh my God, Levi pushed me, he hit me. Oh my God, he killed me. I'm like, yo, calm down. Hold on for a second. What happened? He hit me. I'm like, okay, tell me the story. I don't know. He just hit me and he's 
and I know, and I've been a dad long enough to say, okay, hold on one second. I got you. Relax. Calm down. Let me go talk to Levi. Because I don't know if I got to talk to Levi or if I got to talk to Levi. You know what I mean? So I'm like, let me go, let me go check in, make sure, you know. And then when I go talk to Levi, I'm like, Levi, what happened? He's like, dad, let me explain. Levi is the lawyer of our family. You know what I mean? Like, if you know Levi, he's the lawyer, bro. He's going to defend himself out of anything. He's going to talk himself out of anything. He gets that from his mom, which is a lie. He gets that from his dad. <laughs> Yo, and I'm like, and I'm like, Levi, what happened? He's like, okay, she was jumping on the ottoman. And I told her, Abby, please stop. You're in front of the TV. And she didn't stop. So I said, Abby, please stop. And then she slapped me. So when she slapped me, dad, I got upset. And I said, don't hit me again. And when she went back to do it again, I grabbed her arm like Mr. Miyagi. I was like, boom, I grabbed her. And I said, don't do it again. And I, I gently tugged her. And she flew like four feet. But it was so soft, dad. I was like, she flew. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, you, you have to handle, handle, handle punishment down accordingly at that moment. You know what I mean? But what I've come to figure out as I've been a father and as I've raised my children is that there's a story and then there's the whole story. When we talk about the gospel of Jesus, it can be wrapped up in some feel good. If you believe in God, you're going to get everything that you want. It can be wrapped up in if you don't know every scripture, every song, if you wear pants, if you don't have earrings, if you don't do this, if you're a woman, if you're a man, you can't have a relationship with God. And so many times there's so many different stories and variations to the gospel that sometimes we don't know the whole story. And hopefully my, my goal is to teach you and to show you the whole story before I unpack something that I believe is one thing that I think you can walk out of here and be able to walk with for the rest of your life. The Bible starts off and everything that you see in is created was created by God. God made the heavens and the earth and he spoke these things into existence and everything that you see when it was spoken, it became. God who was a spirit spoke in the spiritual and things began to happen in the physical. That's why we pray and we sow seeds in the spiritual, believing that God hears us and that the things that we sow in the spiritual begin to actually manifest themselves in the physical. Man has been given a responsibility to till the land, to take care of the area that God has created. He has breathed into them and he has given them dominion. He has given them domain. He has given them the entire land and they sin. They make a mistake against God and God in his sovereignty, how beautiful he is, how kind he is. He creates a plan where he says I know that you have sinned and now you have to be separate from me because I can't be in the same room I can't smell what you have on you which is sin the Bible says in Isaiah 69 it says that sin is a stench to his nostrils I gotta separate you and right now we're gonna create ways for you to be able to enter into my presence and that was through animal sacrifices it was through different observance of the law and different things that they had to do to earn their way to God but it all started with a plan the Bible says that he said I will give you a seed that seed whose name is Jesus. We celebrated it just a few months ago in Christmas, right? The Christmas story, the baby in the manger. It was all a fulfillment to a promise to be able to restore the relationship between God and man. Jesus steps into the scene and for 30 years, he lives a sinless life. He's teaching individuals about the kingdom of God. He's explaining to them, you've made mistakes and there's a separation between you and God, but I have stepped into there to be able to establish and create a bridge so that now you and God can have a good relationship. 30 years of teaching this, he starts, I mean, 30 years of living before he starts teaching any of this stuff. 30 years of patient learning 
of gathering information, of Jesus submitting himself to not only his parents, but to teachers and rabbis for 30 years. Some of us, we start something, and if we don't see the process or the fruit of it in a couple of months, we quit. I don't want to do this anymore. 30 years. All of a sudden, Jesus begins his ministry, and it takes him three years to turn the entire world upside down. He begins to preach and to teach and to heal and to deliver people. He starts doing all these things while he's teaching the disciples how to be able to do this. And then it comes to that faithful day, which was a couple of days ago, or was significant of a couple of days ago, which was Friday, Good Friday, right? Where Jesus is now accused of doing some heinous things. He has been healing. He has been helping. He has been creating a structure where the individuals there are about to kill him are the very individuals that speak about him every single time they open up the Bible but they don't know who Jesus is. They put him up on a cross. We've seen the story. We watched the passion of the Christ. We watch enough TBN to see it. We seen Jesus up there, the nail scarred hands and the crown of thorns, his feet were pierced. And we see how he, they take a spear and they puncture his lung and Jesus is dead. Jesus is no longer breathing. The Bible says that Joseph, one of the men who were following him from afar, asked for his body. They grab his body along with Nicodemus. If you read in all the synoptic, in all four of the gospels, you can see this story, but it's in the book of John that the Bible says that, and, and Nicodemus comes with him and he brings pounds of spices and oils and different things to be able to prepare Jesus's body. But here's the thing, they can't do too much work because the Passover is about to happen. I promise I'm gonna start preaching in a minute. I'm trying to give you the whole story. Listen to me, I promise you're in school right now. He starts to prepare the body and they wrap him up in some linen sheets and they put him inside of a, of a cave. It belonged to Joseph and then they closed the, the tomb. And they walk away and they go and they have to celebrate Passover. Passover also, they have to celebrate the Sabbath. And all of a sudden it went from Friday, they couldn't do anything on Saturday. And then on Friday morning, the women begin to think to themselves, okay, we, collect, we built some spices, we did some things, and now we're ready to go back to the tomb because we want to go take care of Jesus, who is dead, by the way. Now we're going to go take back and we're going to go take care of Jesus. I think they were related to my wife because Nicodemus had put the oils and the spices on him already, but it wasn't good enough. They needed to do it because he, did, he didn't do it the right way. He didn't clean the right, I mean, he, not that he didn't clean, he didn't, he didn't do it the right way, the spices and stuff, so they had to make sure that they went back there. The crazy part about it is that they had taught to themselves in scripture in Mark chapter 16, verse three, it says, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? See, much is said here because here customary, what they would do is that they would anoint these bodies and they would put spices and cumin and all of these different things on them to honor them and to preserve them. Now, I don't know if Mary and the women who were with them were thinking to themselves, oh, we want to extend Jesus's flesh. So, cause he says he's going to resurrect or if they really believe, yo, he's dead. So we want to make sure that we just take care of it and make sure that we do it. But honestly, this wasn't a Jewish custom. This wasn't something that the Jews would do on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, they had an organization and a team of people that it was called Kavera Kadisha. I actually went to school with a girl named Kadisha. Kadi <laughs> you did too. 
Kadisha actually means holy, which is a baby name. You looking for a baby name? There you go. Holy, Kadisha. And this was a society, meaning Kadisha means holy and, and Kavara means society. So when you put them together, what it meant was a holy society. And basically what they would do is that they would be the ones that would take a body. If a Jewish person died, they would wash them. And every time they washed the area of their body, they would read a psalm. This isn't what Mary and them were doing. They were going back to find out what was going on with Jesus. But if I'm honest with you, Jesus told them that he was going to resurrect. Why were they going back to the tomb? Well, look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 through 30, 23. It says, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed, meaning they had already, they knew that Jesus was coming. As Jews, they weren't even allowed to touch the dead body. So why were they going back to the tomb? They can't touch the body because look what it says. Numbers chapter 19, verse 11. It says, whoever touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean seven days. Why would they go back to try to put spices on Jesus's body when Jesus was dead, I'm done teaching. Now I'm ready to do a little bit of preaching. Why would they go back to something that was dead to try to fix it? Could it be that in our own personal life, we do this a whole lot. We tend to go back to dead things to try to work them out and make sure that they're working properly when they're dead. We keep going back to past hurts and things that people have done with us. And we begin these ruminating thoughts in our minds. And we keep going back to what he said. I can't believe she said that to me. I should have hit her, but I didn't hit her. Next time I see her, I'm going to tell, ooh, watch what I'm going to say. Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to, ooh, I should have said that. And you're going back in a circle constantly in your brain. And you're going back to something that's already dead. Yeah. We're going back to friendships that are already dead. We're going back to people. They've been taking money from you for a very long time already. They keep asking to borrow your car and every time they come back, you ain't got no gas. They got like four of your chargers, if we're honest. But you keep going back to these dead relationships that all they're doing is pulling you back. Some of us are, are in some dead relationships. And if you're married, that's what the resurrection story is about. Please understand what I'm telling you. I'm not speaking to you. But some of us, we're in some relationships where... You're thinking to yourself, maybe if I add a little bit of spice to this dead relationship, it'll, it'll make it, it'll make it a little better. But in reality, nothing is, nothing is going to be made better. It's a, it's a dead thing that doesn't need for you to come back and massage it for you to come back and take care of it. For some of us, man, we've been living in addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, we find ourselves living in these addictions and we might break it for a little while and it might seem like a month, two months, we might get away from it, but it feels like we always go back to that dead thing. And the Easter story is that Jesus, number one, is not there and he's no longer dead. You know, if I'm honest with you, he didn't die the day before yesterday. It's been over 2,000 years that that story has already passed, meaning that for 2,000 years, we've been living in victory, but we keep choosing to go back to those dead things uh, look at me for a second everybody I want you to say look, look at me don't look at your neighbor say neighbor I, I'm not even gonna look at you but stop playing with dead things exactly now, now, now listen I'm not trying to minimize what they did I'm not trying to excuse what they did in your life I'm not trying to minimize the pain that you went through it's real and, I, and it was a hurtful situation 
But man, we got to get to a point where we move away from those dead issues and we start moving forward in life. These women go back and the Bible says that when they think to themselves, ah, we're going back to the tomb. I'm excited. Like, you know, we're, we're going to go prepare the body. I, I really don't know what they were going to do. But when they get there, all of a sudden there was an, the, the stone was rolled away and there was an angel. I love how the Bible says it. The Bible says, and there was an angel sitting on the top of the stone. Like, I mean, he was like, I feel like I think about it. I have an imaginative mind. I feel like he was just sitting there and he was just like scrolling on Instagram. <laughs> He's like, what's up, y'all? He was like, yo, I'm looking at these reels. Yo, I'm going to DM you this reel. It's Bruno. I don't know why they don't talk to Bruno. I don't know why they don't talk to Bruno. Bruno's prophetic. Bruno was just telling you about your behind, and you got mad, and you try to put that man in the wall back there somewhere because Bruno told you the truth because he's prophetic. He got the gifts of the spirit. And, you know, sitting there, he's like, what's up, y'all? What y'all doing? I know, I, know that you're, I know that you're coming to look for Jesus. I know you're coming to look for Jesus who was killed. And you think that he's here, but yo, he told you he wasn't going to be here. I, I want you, as a matter of fact, I want you to go in and, and see. Jesus is no longer here. It's crazy because uh, what we deem permanent so many times in life, God will break paradigms. He will shift our thinking. He will break our norms. And he creates temporary things out of we expect what we expect to be permanent things. I have uh, a thing in my heart. I've always, and I teach my kids and I teach my family this, and I've been taught this, that I try to leave everything that I enter in better than when I got there. So if I show up to a bathroom, you, you it's random, I know, but my kids will go and they'll get a napkin and they'll get a na another napkin and they'll put the napkin on the floor in the, in the garbage. And we always try to leave every space better than we found it. Me and Lydia, we have this competition. Maybe I have a competition in my head, but I don't care. Um, she, she went, we, we take a trip every year and we go for about three days and we go to the mountains and we just spend some time with God and try to hear what the year is going to look like. That's where the vision 2022 came from. We'll talk about it at the end of service. But we try to take, she goes by herself for three days and then I go by myself for three days and we just spend some time with God, with the Bible and we read and we worship and we turn the, the phone off, no Facebook, no Instagram, none of that. And we just spend time with God for about three days. And uh, when my wife came back, she goes and she shows me a post that the lady from the Airbnb had posted. And she was like, oh my God, this is the best guest that I've ever had. She cleaned everything. I don't even, I didn't even think she was there. It was like such a five-star rating for my, you know, Airbnb guest. And I was like, bet, I got this. So I go, I go the next day, bro, I, I try not to use anything. I would use a fork and I'm like cleaning the fork and I'm like, oh, you're going to give me a better rating than you gave to her, bro. I mean, I was taking care of everything. I was making sure that everything was clean, that everything was pristine. I was like, yo, I was excited. I was like, I'm going to make sure I have this competition in my head, like everything. And it's like, yeah, but Chino, why don't you, you know, why don't you do that at home? Why don't you clean at home? Well, because you got to let her win sometimes. Like, I'm not going to be a tyrant. Like, I'm not a tyrant. Like, I got to let her win sometimes. I got to leave some messes for her to be like, oh, my God, I won. You know what I mean? Like, but I can prove to you, as funny as that seems, those places and those spaces aren't permanent. They're, they're temporary places. But I can show you how the grave, which I don't know if you've ever heard. Some of you may be at an age where you've already bought a plot of land. You've already bought your gravesite. Some of us have probably started thinking about that. But when you buy that, when you enter into a grave, yo, that's a permanent place. You, you, you're there and that's it. That's your, you're, you don't change your address. Like there's no like your mail doesn't get direct. Oh, they moved. No, you're dead, bro. You're sitting in the ground or in the hole, whatever it is. Like this is where you stay at. But Jesus shifted it and I can show you how he shifted it beautifully. The Bible says that when they go in, 
They said, Jesus was just like me. It says that they looked at the linen sheets. Remember what I told you about Nicodemus and Joshua? All they did was wrap Jesus up, throw some stuff on him, wrap him up bloody, and throw him in the cave. Here it is that the sheets were folded perfectly, nice and neatly in a corner. He beat me. He definitely beat me with his Airbnb. Because he took what was temporary, he took what was permanent, the grave, and he turned it into something temporary, and then he put his little sheets there. You know, you can keep that for later. And I believe in my own personal heart that there's some of us in this room, all of us in this room, I'm believing in Jesus' name, that we're about to walk into some seasons of our life. I know COVID has tricked and made some stuff look crazy, but I believe that we're about to step into some season. I felt this as I was preparing this message of some folded sheet seasons where the things that you thought were going to be permanent, this is the way that it looks forever, are going to turn into temporary and you're going to walk out of that situation. Oh, you one of those feel-good preacher chinos. I can get it because you didn't clap and you didn't receive it, but I want to show you that it's not about a feel-good preacher it's actually about scripture because the bible tells us that the permanent thing that you feel like i'm living in anxiety this is who i am i'm always going to struggle with anxiety like every time it just gets crazy and that's not a permanent deal because the bible says in philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 don't be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication make your request known unto god and the peace of god that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through christ Jesus that there is a what you think is permanent is not permanent that some of us we feel like yo we get up to go to work every single day and it's like yo I just need a break but then you take a vacation you come back and you're still tired and you're thinking to yourself yo why do I go to sleep at eight o'clock at night I wake up at eight in the morning I slept for 12 hours but I'm still tired I still feel like things are running through my mind you think that that's the way that your life is forever but there's a Matthew 11:28 28 attached to this thing that says he who is heavy laden. If you got burned burdens and you're carrying a lot, give them to me. I'm going to take care of you. And the Bible says that I'm going to give you rest. What you think is going to be permanent. I believe God is going to switch it and he's going to make it into something that is temporary. For some of us, man, this season of COVID, man, it's changed and screwed up our five year plan. For some of you that were here with us before we were at COVID, we were at Barber Elementary. Now we're at, you know, in Ackworth, due west, and online. God bless y'all. I love y'all online family. But for so many of us, we planned and we talked. We left cities and states, and we thought to ourselves, we're going to come here, and we're going to build a church, and we're going to reach the city, and we're going to impact people. And we started to build stuff, and it was exciting. And then we had plans, and we had strategies, and, and we, were, we were doing stuff, and stuff started to look successful. And all of a sudden, it was like the prophet Fauci said, hey, y'all got to shut all this down. Ta-ta. Let's lock it down. Y'all go home. And for eight months, what is it, April, May, March, April, May, June, July, August, for five months, we sat at the house and we preached behind a camera. And my wife was the executive engineer. <laughs> and for so long, we, we thought, this is what it's going to look like. And, and God shifted it. But he ain't shifted the way that we thought he was going to shift it. He shifted our hearts. And for so many of us, we've been walking along the road and we feel like, yo, I was going one way and now I don't even know where I'm going. And that's what you feel like is your permanent this is my life this is what's going to be permanent in my life but in reality man there's a proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 attached to your story where jesus says it trust not in your own understanding acknowledge me see me in the middle of your situation and i promise you that i'm going to direct your path that what you thought was going to be this depression is going to be my lot forever no it's not going to be your lot forever i promise you that i'm going to deliver you from that 
Chino, the way that I'm thinking, this lust in my heart. Chino, the things that I, I hate everybody, this anger, this bitterness. This is just who I am. No, it's not who you are. Stop saying that, man. Stop. Every time you punch a hole in the wall, that's not who you are. God has actually a redeeming factor in him. The story of Easter is that he can pull you and change you from that person and make you the person that he called you to be. And it's all found in his presence. It's the gospel of Jesus, y'all. The Bible says that he is a strong tower. That when I'm in trouble, that I can run to him. When I feel weak, depressed, anxious, scared. He, he, it's like he slaps me. Hey, stop living like this is permanent. And he slaps, Tino, get, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to be courageous, to be strong? And he says, I'm not leaving you, bro. We're, we're walking through this thing together. Stop looking at the things that look permanent in your life and understand that there's some linen sheets that are about to get folded in seasons and you need to start declaring it and believe it in your life because you're no longer going to walk in that same way anymore. From today, we put an eviction notice on depression, on anxiety, on your pain, on the demons that have been attacking your sleep. We put an eviction notice on it because we believe in the gospel because it was Jesus that said these things. All of them are broken in the presence of Jesus if you didn't notice. It. these women they walk up to him and when they see the tomb he begins to tell them and he says here's what I want you to do he says I want you to leave from here and I want you to go and I want you to go tell the, the disciples that Jesus has resurrected when he tells them Jesus has resurrected on the way you'll see Jesus there and it's crazy because here, who, who are we talking about here we're talking about the women that were there through the whole crucifixion we're talking about the women that were there where Jesus was getting broken, when he was getting beat up. These women were the ones that were standing there. You know where everybody else was? The Bible says that they all forsook him. Some of them even denied who he was. And now the angel's telling me to go, go get the disciples? Bro, I don't even want to see those fools, bro. Like, they ran. Like, we stayed there. If we would have got killed, we would have got killed. But we stayed there. They all dipped. They were always hanging with Jesus, eating with him, doing everything. You're telling me to go... Talk to the disciples? I'm, I'm saying if you put this in context, think about it for just a second. The disciples have fled and for two days they're in hiding. They're, they're, they're scattered all over the place. Scripture foretold that they would do that, that they would hit the shepherd and the sheep would flee and they would scatter. So they're gone and the angel tells them, go get the disciples. And these women, strong women, we champion women. We love women in our church. We believe that y'all got an anointing. We believe that y'all got power in y'all. We believe that God uses y'all. These women were not only the ones that saw Jesus first, but they were the ones that before they saw him, they stepped out in obedience and said, we're going to go tell the disciples. And the Bible says that they actually left from there and began to walk to go tell the disciples. There's some action items that need to be attached to the things that you're doing. But the Bible says that when you do the things that you don't want to do, you'll see me. I mean, look at what the scripture said. He said, here's what I want you to do. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him. There are some things that God has told you to do. There are some places that God has told you to do. There's some things that God has told Oh, I need that dead thing. I, I know what you're talking about. I need, I need to cut that off. I need to hit the unfollow button. I need to stop. I need to push away because I know what God asked me to do. And here's the thing. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's suck and it hurts. But God is saying that as you take a step there, you'll see me. 
I'm going to walk with you. I'm, I'm going to be there with you. That business that God has been telling you to start for such a long time, I'm going to be there with you. Start writing the song. Start writing the book. What is the thing that God has stirred up in your heart? Faith. If you, The way that it's biblically written or biblically spelled out, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. What is the thing that God is telling you to risk? What is the thing that God is telling you? I've been telling you to do this. I'm holding this microphone and it freaks you out because you're like, he told me to preach. Yeah. Let's start. Start taking those steps because here's what's happening. The Bible says that as they begin to walk, then they saw Jesus. Like, think about this. What would you do if you knew that whatever you did, you wouldn't fail at? Say, think about that. Whatever you put your heart to, you would actually do it and you wouldn't fail at it because God is with you. And obviously, yo, I'm not telling you to go buy a brick and become a drug dealer. Yo. Like all in the context of the Lord. Like I'm not telling you to go, you know. But, but these are the things that I believe that happens. Because the Bible says that as you go, you'll see him. Uh, King Uzziah. Um, Isaiah saw him. Which is the beautiful part about it. I saw him. I had heard about Jesus for so long. And it wasn't a moment until I, until I saw him. And I was like, oh, I, I see Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus. As fact, in scripture... Famous scripture that is always read in the Easter season. It says in Isaiah 60, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. In the year that the King Uzziah died. Uzziah, uh, he took kingdom and he became a king when he was 16 years old and he reigned for 52 years the bible says in second in second chronicles chapter 26 you can read about it and the bible says that in that time he did what was right in front of the lord and he did amazing things. I mean, Uzziah was the guy that he set up uh, walls around the kingdom and then he put up towers and then he actually did something. Watch this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 15, it says, And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skilled men to be on towers and corners to shoot arrows and large stones so his fame spread far and wide for he, had, he was marvelously helped till he became strong. So you guys see in the movies, you know where you have these big catapults? Where these big contractions that they put these huge stones on it and then it goes and boom and it throws it like in Lord of the Rings and all of that. Uzziah invented those things. He was the one that invented. You know how you know how you see the, the, the gladiator and all that? And you see like this big contraction where they pull this thing and it's like boom and then all the arrows go and it's like it covers the sky. Uzziah did that. He, the Bible says that he was the one that invented that. Could you imagine the safety that they had around them at that time? Like yo, this guy is military. He's smart. We got walls, we got protection. We got, I mean, we got firepower that no other country has. We feel safe. And then all of a sudden, something shifted. The person who created that safety, or so they thought, he dies. And now they're thinking to themselves, we're done. Who's gonna save us? Who's gonna protect us? <laughs> Doesn't it sound super familiar? That, that there's some things in your own personal life that that you thought this was what was going to bring you safety, that job, that man, that woman, that friendship, that relationship, that little feeling that you hold on to because that's what keeps you strong and it makes you bold so that you can boo up and beat people up. And all of a sudden, God will, God will take those things away as a crutch. And you think that he's hurting you. He's not hurting you. I think it's the opposite. 
He was showing Isaiah something really cool because he was showing them in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He was on a throne, meaning that he was the real king. And then what we miss, I was learning about this and I was reading about this. And I mean, it's absolutely incredible. He said, and the train of his coat, of his robe filled the temple. Now, what you don't understand or what doesn't get you excited about that is that you can't picture that because it doesn't make sense to you. But I'm gonna try to bring a little context to it. What would happen is that a king, he had dominion over a land. When he would go and he would conquer another land, all of a sudden, that king that he conquered, he would take a piece of his robe and he would put it and attach it to his robe. And then as he took land and took kingdoms, every single king and every kingdom that he took from, he would take a piece of that king's robe and he would attach it to his robe. As a matter of fact, we got a picture. I want you to see this. This is actually in a museum. And if you see this on the side of it, it says it took six children just to carry that little bitty robe. And that right there was a king that every time he fought and every time he conquered and he took a land, another piece was added onto his robe. Look at the picture that we have of Jesus that the Bible says that his, the train of his robe filled the temple, that he defeated every single thing that you have been struggling with for so long that you're allowing for it to dominate you but the train of his robe fills the temple, that he has power and authority, that he has defeated king after king he's defeated depression, he's defeated anxiety, he's defeated hate he's defeated suicide, he's defeated so many things and he walks in and the train of his robe fills the temple that's who you have on your side that's who's fighting on your behalf could you imagine if you really believe that you would write your name on that contract a little differently you would treat your sexuality a little differently. You would treat the way that you treat others a little differently. You would think and you would watch and see things in a totally different sight when you see Jesus. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe, it filled the temple. These ladies, they have gone to the tomb. They see an angel. He's on TikTok. <laughs> and he, they go in the tomb and they see the tomb that's empty. They walk out of the tomb and the angel tells them, here's a task that you don't want to do, but if you do it, you're going to see Jesus. And they begin to walk on this journey to go see Jesus. And as they're walking on the way to go see Jesus, guess who they see? Jesus. Because the promise is real. When you begin to seek Jesus, it's funny how in times of my life, I have separated myself from Jesus and I have tried to do things on my own and it gets crazy. And then I feel like the Lord is just like, hey, Chino, you got to come back to me. Like, it's me. Don't worry about the situation. What's around you is not what I'm going to do in you. Don't worry about that. And it's in those moments where all of a sudden I go back to a church. I come back to Jesus and it feels like all of a sudden like a renewed power or strength. Like you're in here right now, your emotions are all over the place because that's the Holy Spirit. But the real thing is that you will walk out of here and you'll feel like, yo, I know what I got to do. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I didn't just rant and run my mouth on a microphone, but I hope that you actually think to yourself, I, I got to move away from some dead things. There's some stuff that I got, I can't keep going back to that. I know he hurt me, I forgive him in Jesus' name. 
I know she said that. Yo, I, I'm done. I, I can't keep living in that. I know I made that mistake. Though I made that mistake, I am not that mistake. And I need to walk away from that because I've been living in that dead season for way too long. We've been treating things in our life as permanent when in reality, they're not permanent. They're temporary. I know you got that weird car that you got to lift the door up and put it in. And, you, and you've lived in that for a long time in your personal life where it's eh, just a little messed up. He's just a little crazy. He hits me sometimes. I get it. They, they lie to me and they take from me. It's fine. But hopefully you can cut off what's dead, eliminate some permanent things and understand and let Jesus come in and be able to show you that there's some linens that have been folded in your life that you're going to walk into it. And as you begin to move, you'll see him high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple. He's won every battle that you would ever face. He's already won it. But there's a step. Watch this. I knew there was a catch. Okay, how much do I got to give? Nothing. <laughs> Watch this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. So they departed quickly. They departed quickly. And then I love how the Bible adds, and they had fear and great joy because there are things in your life that you're going to have to step into that you might have a little fear in you. Oh, Chino, you can't say that. The Lord has given us not a spirit of fear. I get it. I'm scared. I do it scared like Jason Peebles taught. Sometimes you just got to do it scared. There might be a little bit of fear in you and there's a little bit of joy and you mix those two things up and you say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. If you gave me a word to share with my coworker, I'm going to give him that word. God, if you told me to begin to write, I'm going to begin to write. God, if you told me to open up that daycare, I'm going to open up that daycare. God, if you told me to start coming church faithfully, I'm going to start coming to church faithfully. Lord, if you told me to turn off all my secular music and start listening to nothing but Jesus music, then Jesus, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be filled with a little bit of fear, but there's some joy alongside of it but I'm going to depart quickly today the place that you have been in for so long today I believe Jesus and I know this because he's gave me this he has served an eviction notice you can no longer stay in that depressive state you can no longer stay in that anxious state you can no longer stay in that dead place today you need to depart quickly from the tomb you need to walk away from dead places today you got to make some decisions in your heart to say I'm not going to be this apathetic kind of Christian that barely reads my Bible that I don't pray I need to walk into some things I need to be the type of Christian I need to be the type of Christian that though I read my Bible and I pray every day, I need to actually push it away for a second and I need to go share the good news with somebody. I need to go tell somebody about what Jesus did in my life. That means I'm going to write my testimony on a piece of paper the way that Keisha did and Carlos did and I'm going to give a testimony of what God has did in my life. I'm going to share what God did in me so that people can come to know who Jesus is. Some of us, we too Christian. <laughs> If that's even a thing, there's a world that's broken and hurting and they're waiting for you, bro. It's not my job just to hold the microphone. Yo, I'll give this up in a split second. A couple weeks ago, I gave it and somebody preached the paint off the walls. I almost got saved. Some of y'all clapping, you have no idea. Nunzi preached, go back and listen to the message. Hope, what was it? What was it called? Hope. Mac knows. Mac, you got saved too when you were mixing it? Yeah, same. Hey, but you got to depart quickly. For some of us, I know that, and I don't want to make light of it because those are real things that God has told you to do and you got to do them. 
Don't wait for Easter. Don't wait for Christmas to come along. Don't wait for the five-year anniversary, August 14th. But you need to start taking some steps. But for some of us, yo, we walked into this room and though you've heard everything that I've said, you feel like you're living inside of a tomb. And you feel like you're in the grave. And if I'm honest with you, you feel like you're the one that's dead. And you're hearing this stuff and you're like, you know, I get it, man. But if you only understood the things that I'm dealing with, if you understood the weight that I'm carrying, I I've done way too much wrong for me to even remotely think about giving Jesus a shot in my life. Like, Chino, you don't know my story. I would say I don't. I would say I don't. But there was a time where I, it's like I heard Jesus, right? And I heard people telling me about Jesus. You know, as an eight-year-old little gang member walking around the streets of Miami, and by the time I was 16 years old, I had been to jail nine different times. I was completely lost. I'd been shot, my neck ripped open, my head bust open. I was living a completely wild lifestyle. By the time I was 19 years old, I had been to jail 13 different times. I had an 11-month-old son. I got sentenced to five years in prison. I went away for a long time. I didn't teach my kid to ride a bike. I made some pretty bad mistakes and I had to pay for those. But, but do you know that there was a moment at the very beginning of that where I had heard about Jesus for so long but there was a change something happened when I went to this small little Bible study called church it wasn't a steeple Nunzi wasn't killing it on the keys it was a bunch of inmates with a Bible and we were talking about it but in that moment I, I saw Jesus like it was like oh I took the step that he told me to take. I never go to those Bible studies. Like I used to go to stuff to eat, drink cookies and sodas with the preachers. But like with the inmates, like I don't trust the inmates. Y'all did, y'all kill somebody. I ain't trying to hear from Jesus from you. But God told me, you, you, need, you need to go in there. And I remember I went in there and I saw Jesus. Can I tell you that five months later, I started a Bible study. A few months later, I started a Spanish Bible study. I started planting churches in jail. Can I tell you that I had some of the greatest, some of the biggest drug dealers on the compound crying like babies on my chest and I'm preaching the gospel. I'm actually doing things that God told me to do. I was uncomfortable with. I was not in a comfortable space, but God said, I want you to take this step. And I said, God, I'm moving away. I'm departing quickly from the tombs. The old Chino, the broken Chino, the, the Chino that was trying to show off to everybody, the Chino that did bad things, the Chino that made all those mistakes. I'm departing quickly from him. And whatever you say to do, I'll, I'll do it. And God met me in that place. And people started to come to know who Jesus is. Can you fast forward the tape? Just a few years later, I'm preaching on a stage and we planted a church in Georgia because God called us because I am no longer that person in that tomb. I'm no longer that person. What was permanent became temporary in my life and the dead things God brought them back to life. And today, I'm married. 16 years a week ago, we celebrated. I got four beautiful children. I started a ministry. Individuals have come from the things that we have told them and they started ministries. And God has ripple effects of the people that have been tied to our life. I had to depart from the tombs. Okay, no, wait, hold on, Chino. Maybe you do know what I'm going through. Hold on, let me, okay, talk. I like it, do it. Today, how did I do that? It, it was simple, if I'm honest with you. Nobody did anything for me. 
God did everything for me. The gospel, right? The story of Easter, here's the story. That he who knew no sin and was perfect, he became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. That when you see Jesus in the pictures on the cross, I know in churches we've said it for so long that he died for you. That's not the whole story. The whole story is not that he died for you, is that he died as you. That it should have been you on that cross. You should have paid for that sin. He didn't sin. He was dying for your sin. But what a beautiful exchange that he became sin so that you may become the righteousness of God. How does that happen, Chino? Romans chapter 10, verse 9, baby. It's very simple. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. You don't have to give a dime at a church. You don't have to walk up to an altar. You don't have to dress in all white or know all the greatest scripture. It's at the moment that you open up with your mouth and at the moment that you believe with your heart that you're saved. I want to give you an opportunity because for some of us, we want to walk away from the tombs. I, I can do that, Chino. Now, here's what we do. I can help you with the opening up your mouth part. Confess with your mouth, I can help you with that. But the believing part, that, that's on you. But, but I, would you allow for me the privilege to walk you through this? Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms.